This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I had the pleasure of hearing from Miranda, who is not only a recipient of donor eggs and a mother through surrogacy, but she's also a heart donor recipient. You're going to need the, the tissues for this one, and I'm going to hand over now to Miranda. Hi, I'm Miranda. I have a four-year-old son, Harry, and he is born through egg donation and surrogacy. Lovely. Um, can you tell us a bit about how you came to surrogacy, Miranda? Sure. Um, so surrogacy was really um, part of my conversation uh, uh, from really early on. At the age of 21, I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, uh, which is a, uh, a, heart, a heart disease, a, um, a heart condition, or in its, in its worst stages, it's called heart failure. Um, so I was 21. I was in a coronary care unit. Um, having just been diagnosed and my best, my best friend walked in and she sat down beside me and I said to her, I, uh, how this is going to affect my entire life. Not that I was planning on having children at 21. Um, but I just said to her, what if I can't have babies? And she just looked at me, this is in 2004. Uh, she just looked at me and she said, I'll have them for you. Mm. And at that moment, I just, I laughed at her because to me in my uneducated mind at that stage, surrogacy was for celebrities who didn't want to ruin their body. They were for people that could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on having a baby and it didn't happen in the suburbs of Sydney. So, um, but her and I, we spoke about surrogacy on and off for the next decade. Um, while, while my illness progressed and it became more and more obvious that I wouldn't have my own child. Mm. Um, so oh, I went through all the emotions of um, wanting to be a mother in incredibly just yearning for it um, and knowing that I would never be a mother. Um, well, that's what I assumed. Um, you know, I had sister-in-laws and friends all announce pregnancies around me. I went to so many baby showers and bit my tongue and held back tears. And it wasn't that I didn't hold so much joy for them. It's just that I would come home to an empty home, to a quiet home, and just cry for my own loss. Um, in... 2008, I actually did fall pregnant and um, was told that I needed to have a medical, a termination for medical uh, purposes. Um, basically, my heart was too uh, weak and it wouldn't have survived a pregnancy. Best case scenario would have been my body being kept alive on life support and um, me being given birth giving birth to a baby but not actually surviving and that baby may not, may not survive either. Um, I fought for that pregnancy tooth and nail, um, but it was my husband at the time that, that said to me, um, he said, we'll have another baby somehow. He said, but I can never have another you. So I, three days before Christmas 2008, I had a termination which was incredibly sad and I think about that all the time still and I don't think I ever won't. Um, so my, yeah, my journey through 
not having children was pretty raw and emotional and still manages to bring around quite a few tears. Um, yeah, but it was the Christmas of 2012 that um, I had quite a few nieces and, nieces and nephews and I had another one on the way um, and it was a particularly tough Christmas for me. Um, and it was in the new year of 2013 that my now sister-in-law, who was my best friend, um, when I married her brother-in-law, um, she said to me, well, I've had my children now and the next baby I have is going to be for you. So um, she, I said, okay, well, you know, we, we had talked about the ins and outs of things for just so long that it, yeah, I, I started to Google and I found um, IVF Australia who had the, had a pretty great surrogacy program as far as I could see. And I booked an appointment. So, um, that was January of 2013. Uh, so I started to then go through the process of um, IVF, knowing that I had lived with heart failure. Um, and by this stage, I also knew that, that I had a genetic mutation. Uh, I have a syndrome that is the cause for a lot of metabolic disease, um, including the heart failure. Uh, so I was looking at doing PGD with my embryos. I, um, my parents, so my father died of what I currently live with at the age of 31 and I, they, they had no idea that he would pass anything on. Um, but I knew and so I could not knowingly pass on anything to a child. Um, so I... And I knew that that was going to be an added expense to our IVF surrogacy journey. It was going to be about $10,000 to check my embryos for the genetic mutation. Uh, but it was pretty, pretty early on in the process that we discovered that I just did not have viable eggs. Um, there was just nothing, nothing that we could do going forward using my own DNA, unfortunately. So, that was that was another blow. That was that was a little bit hard. I actually remember uh, the moment that the specialist called me. I was walking across the gravel to my car at work, and I sat in my car, quite breathless, um, not just from the heart failure, but from the emotions that were running pretty highly through me at that stage. And he he basically said to me, I I said to him, well, what about egg donation? Like it's, you know, I've, I've, got to find, I've got to find a way to get through this. And, and he said, I think it would be highly unlikely that you find an egg donor in Australia and one who's willing to go through, through it for you and you're also using a surrogate. So uh, I'm really not one to take no for an answer, which I don't know, it's probably served me okay in my 36 years. Um, so I was sad for a bit, but I worked through it pretty pretty quickly. I, t I tend to do that. Like if I really want something, I can I can manage to um, uh, you know get through to the next step of the process quite quite fast. Um, so I asked on a actually it was probably Australian the Australian surrogacy community Facebook page. Um, I asked a question 
I said, I've got my, my surrogate, she's ready to go, but I've just found out that I need an egg donor and, and what, do we, like, what do I do about that? Where do I find one? How do I connect with the egg donation community? Little did I know that um, Egg Donation Australia was out there. Um, and I had two women who um, were pretty prolific in the egg donation and surrogacy world. They sort of took me under their wings and uh, got me onto EDA and I got was all signed up and um, and you know jumped on their forum and just started telling our story um, and it was pretty I I think I because my father had died when I was 16 months old uh, I was actually brought up by um, Greg who I call my dad uh, but technically he's my stepdad um, and so we're not blood related but we have a pretty incredible bond. He's no longer married to my mum, but he's my dad. And I think I confuse a lot of people when I say my dad's dead and I talk about my dad. <laughs> so it was probably him in my life and my relationship with him that I knew that genetics and blood and all of that to me didn't matter. It was, it's a bond that you create rather than a bond that is that is born through genetics it's um yeah so i i didn't think that i could not not love a child you know it i had love to give a child and it did not matter how that child was coming look i would have adopted if if, if adoption was easy in australia um turns out surrogacy is easier go figure um i was on egg donation australia on on the forum and we, um, I had an egg donor offer, offer to us pretty, pretty quickly. Um, we travelled to Melbourne to see her. We, um, or to Victoria. Um, we created a pretty great bond. She came to Sydney and we did, uh, she did the cycle for us. Um, we got 17 eggs. It was amazing. You know, we, we thought that we'd, you know, hit the jackpot, jackpot and, by day five, we had zero embryos and it was just, it was soul destroying. I think I was more distraught with that than I was with the fact that I couldn't use my own eggs. I think at that stage, I, I carried all of the sadness that she felt as well. Um, I think I felt for her just as much as I felt for us um, and because she you know it was her first time donating she had a two-year-old little girl there was no reason why things would have gone the way that they went and and yet they did um, so we sort of we went back and had more appointments and she actually did the most selfless beautiful thing and she said to me I can't go through IVF again and waste your money and not know whether it will, you know, if this all happens again, it will, it will just be another waste. I can't do that for you. So I'm actually going to find you another donor. Um, so she went on to, onto a forum um, um, for the donors and she, she asked, look, can anyone, can anyone donate to Miranda and Chris? Um, and she did. And then we had Gemma and Gemma was our, Gemma sort of 
stepped forward and said that she would really love to um, donate to us. And the first time we spoke on the phone was um, we talked for two hours straight. <laughs> and we just had it had a lot of a lot of stuff in common. And it was really lovely. Um, so we went through the donation process with Gemma, you know, all the counselling and the meetings and just talking about everything and anything, trying to cover all the bases, trying to really um, foster a really great relationship and, um, you know, build, build that with her. That was one of my most important things was that my baby would always know where those genetics came from and that that relationship with Gemma would always be, would always be there and would always feel really natural. Um, so it was sort of, it was, you know, I, I mean, I didn't want to force anything if it wasn't going to be there, but I really, it was important to me to build it. Um, so she came down to Sydney. She lives in Queensland. Uh, she came down to Sydney and um, we did, she did IVF again. We went through all of that again. We gave her a little holiday here for a, a week or so while she was here, which um, was really, was really fun to spend time, you know, getting to have your friend have all these sleepovers in your house. It was pretty fantastic. Um, and she went through IVF and she was absolutely devastated because she said she only got nine eggs. <laughs> we, um, I had to get one of her friends on the phone as we were going home from the clinic because she was just beside herself. She said, you're doing surrogacy. You need so much more. You need more. I should have given you more. I said, Gemma, this isn't, we went from nothing to nine. Like, this is amazing. Don't, don't worry. Anyway, uh, she calmed down and from those nine eggs, we got six embryos, which is, you know, fantastic and amazing. And look, it's not about the numbers, but it just, it felt, it felt like things were moving forward and, and they were. Uh, so we went into the usual, you know, three month quarantine period for surrogacy. Um, our, our surrogate, Megan and Gemma at that time were incredibly um, ready to get going. I was quite happy to have a break for three months, um, but they seemed to just want to get along with it and, you know, just wanted to see what was going to happen. Um, so it got to the month of May of 2014. Um, so this is, we've been on this path since January 2013. So it's, you know, not as long as some. Um, so May 2014 and Megan was having um, multiple blood tests to see, you know, when everything was going to be ready for her. Uh, and... Um, May, May, it was meant to be a May transfer and it just didn't happen. Her body was, was slowing us up a, a, a little bit. She was incredibly, incredibly frustrated with that. And, um, but it all happened on the 2nd of June. So the 2nd of June, I got to sit next to my best friend as she had an embryo implanted. And just seeing that embryo was just, it was amazing. And she included me in so in everything, just absolutely everything, um, that I, at times I forgot that it wasn't my uterus, you know, at times I forgot that it, that it wasn't happening inside me because she was so generous in, in everything that she, um, 
she shared and and Gemma also like it just you know Gemma would message me every time she'd done an IVF injection you know and or or give me a phone call and you know put me at ease that she'd remembered and you know let her know let me know that she was just excited about things as I was so I felt really included on both of their journeys through through this it really felt like our journeys together um so two weeks after this embryo transfer on the 2nd of june um i actually bought megan a home pregnancy test i we said that we wouldn't and we we caved on the last night before the bloods um and we had a little deal that she would go into the bathroom <coughs> we're all at her place with her kids and she'd go into the bathroom and you know use the home pregnancy test and then she'd come out, she's going to put it on the kitchen bench. And then two minutes later, I would get up and go and have a look at it. <coughs> and she, she did that. But instead of putting it on the kitchen bench, she walked it straight over to me. And I said, Megs, what are you doing? I go, like, put it on the bench. This is not our deal. And um, she said, just look at it. And I said, okay. And I looked at it and the test line was darker than the, Sorry, the pregnancy line was darker than the test line. And, and it, she said, it just came up so quick. I, I didn't have time not to see. And um, she was so worried that she'd seen it first. I was like, don't, like, don't even, you know, for, to me, we're the one, one person right now. Like, it doesn't matter. So um, she was pregnant. And blood test the next day confirmed that she was pregnant. Um, her HCG levels were just off the chart. They were ridiculous. Um, and gosh she had a textbook pregnancy everything went like just wonderfully um 38 weeks later 38 weeks on on the dot she was coming home from work and um she was on the train and she messaged me and she said i think that things are happening like i, I want you to get ready because i think things are going to happen tonight and I think my text back to her was, um, like, like, like now <laughs> she said, like, yes, like, ugh, you know, just, you know, I was just, yeah. Anyway. Um, but going back to her nine months of being pregnant, um, I was there, I was at her house a lot. I, I was there, I was with her kids um we lived just three minutes from each other so it was easy um but looking back now now that I'm a mother and I'm a mother of a four-year-old who makes so much mess and who is such a handful and spreads toys from one end of my house to the other and I think I didn't do enough for her like I there is so much more that I would have done now that I know but being, you know, a couple with no kids, we didn't, we didn't know. We were like, oh, cool, we've cooked some dinner. Yeah, how great are we? You know, like the cleaners have come over. Oh, look at us. You know, it's, we, it, yeah, no. You know, you just, and you just don't know the, the, the impact that children have on your life. And then I cannot imagine being, having two children and a husband and being pregnant. It's, it's. Anyway, I'm surprised that she didn't sit me down and ask for more at times because I, I sure would have. Like it, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, she took me along to every midwife appointment. She 
she did everything, you know, um, she included me in, in absolutely everything. And, and I got to be there and, you know, just, she would literally scream at me every time she could feel him moving inside her and, um, and said to me, feel, feel my stone. I'd often miss it. And she was so devastated and I'm just like, it's okay. Like it's, you know, it's all right. Um, early on, this is, this is, mm, maybe it's too much information, but early on in her pregnancy, we used to, we used to joke that um, if one of us lost our phones, the text messages on them would just, anyone would just go, who are these people? Because she would text me daily, daily uterus updates from her desk at work, like exactly what she was feeling and that she was meant to be feeling the, the, the thing and that it was all normal and it was exactly like her other two pregnancies and she was feeling really good about that and I was like this is great like yeah so we used to joke about you know what you know big brother would think about our text messages to and to and from each other um so it got to the night that uh, our little miracle was going to be born um Meg's got off the train refused to let me pick her up at the train station wanted to walk to her car because she wanted to get things going. Uh, typical, typical her. Um, she got home, lay on her bed for an hour, and um, when she got up, her water broke. So she was, she was spot on. She knew exactly. She's the kind of woman who knows exactly what's going on in her body, uh, and I'm actually quite jealous of that because I often have no idea what my body's doing. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, she just cool, calm and collected, texted me, have a shower, wash your hair, um, choose what you want to wear to the birth. Everything's happening tonight. And I remember turning to my mother at the time and, and said, um, so you don't come back from your waters breaking, do you? Like, this is, it's, it's happening. And my mum said, yes, like, you have to get ready for this. And I, I think I went into that, like, oh, I don't, uh, it's only 38 weeks. I don't think we're ready. I just stopped working a couple of days ago. This, you know, he's, he's doing two weeks time, right? So anyway, um, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. That's what they say, right? Um, so we all got into the hospital about 11 p.m. that night. Uh, as uh, when I went over to Megan's place, she was making food for her kids for the next day or so, knowing that she wasn't going to be there, standing at the kitchen table, uh, standing at the kitchen bench, breathing through contractions, um, at which point, what, like, what do you do there? You know, I, I tried to take over everything, but she, you know, she had... She had her agenda. She had it all worked out. Um, and we drove into the hospital and uh, our little boy was asleep. And so they wouldn't, uh, yes, he's, you know, and he knows how to sleep in these days too. So he's, yeah, he's, he's a relaxed kid. Um, so Megs was drinking glasses of ice cold water to wake Harry up and um, she we were admitted uh, about midnight um, it was about two o'clock in the morning and she was in end-stage labor at this at this point um, and that's when 
by <laughs> watching my best friend, watching the mother of my niece and nephew um, go through labour and oh, I just remember thinking, please don't let anything happen to that woman. Like, if something's going to happen that's bad, <laughs> just don't let it be to Megan. You know, I don't usually cry about that, but it's something that I just, I, I prayed for. I just prayed that she would come out okay. And she was, she did. She was a champion. It was like, she was truly amazing. Um, it was all textbook. Um, at 12 minutes past three, she was told to push and Harry was born at 3.15. So it, like, it just was amazing and um oh something that I'll never ever ever forget and I remember looking between him and Megan and hip to him and to Megan and just making sure that everyone was okay and um he lay on her belly um when he was born um that was something that you know we she was really adamant that I would get the first cuddle but I was quite adamant that I, I needed her body to, to reconcile that it had given birth because I knew this baby wasn't going home with her and that was going to be quite a mental journey for her. Um, so uh, he, was, he was lying on her belly and his dad cut the cord um, eventually um, and I held his foot. <laughs> I just had no idea what to do with this tiny little person that, that you know, apparently was mine and was going to come home with me. And that's a really scary moment. Um, so, yeah, eventually um, Megan like, was ready and um, we, the midwife, picked um, Harry up and handed him to me and made me sit down first because I was a bit shaky, um, a little bit emotional. And, um, yeah, he was just, he was, he was born, he was here and it was, I just looked at this little face and just thought it was you, it was you that I dreamt about for so many years. We've talked about you for a decade or more. Like it's, it's you. So I still, he's four and I still look at that, at his face and think, wow, it was, it is, it's you. So, um, we have an open door policy with Megs. We always have had and we still do now. Um, now I don't think she needs it so much. Um, but in definitely in the beginning, she, she came around and spent the day with me every day for six weeks post-birth. Um, it, was, it was kind of like our fourth trimester together, you know. Um, on the third day, the day that her milk came in, um, we were, we were home, sorry, we all went home when Harry was 13 hours old. So it was, it was massive. That was, that was Megan's choice. She wanted to go home and recover um, in her own bed. I totally get that. Uh, so, yeah, on the, third, on the third day I opened the front door to her and she just burst into tears. And, and I was like, okay, all right. Like I knew that this was going to be, that this was going to come. And she said, it's okay. It's my milk coming in. It's just the day for it. And I scooped Harry up and just put him in her arms and just said, 
this is what you're crying about. I said, this is what you did. You made me a mother. And, you know, sit, sit down with him. What do you need? You know, I'll make you a coffee. I'll make you a tea, whatever you need. Like, um, you know, let's just, let's just chat for hours upon hours. And, uh, oh, gosh, we, we talk about our story all the time together. You know, <laughs> we talk about it all the time, little, little aspects and little and um, and Harry knows now. Harry knows his story now. He um, he will tell you now. You say, you know, who, whose egg did you come from, Harry? And he says, Gemma, auntie. And and I say, and whose tummy did you grow in? And he says, auntie's tummy, because Megan is just auntie. Um, and um, then we say, who loves you? And he says, mummy. Of course, we all love him, but, you know, that's my special little role. So... Um, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was pretty emotional. It was a long, long time to, um, a long time coming, a long time talking about it. Um, but all of a sudden he arrived and then it's, it's four years later now. And yeah, we went through some pretty, well, when he was six months old, I had a heart transplant. So that was a pretty huge journey too but you know it was basically the same network of people that stepped in and looked after my boy so you know it's it takes a village <laughs> that's a pretty incredible story um thank you for sharing yeah. openly i have some yeah. questions about you've got these amazing relationships with Gemma and megan did you yeah. ever feel like your role as a mother was compromised by other women being involved in the conception and the birth? Um, no. I think... Uh, I don't think... It, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't feel like it was compromised. I, I think in the beginning I definitely had moments of, well, it's, it's not my egg and it's not my... Ellie, is it really my baby? So I, I had sort of those moments, but it's it, pretty quickly when you, when you've got this baby at home and this, this, this perfect bundle that is just laying in your arms and that you have to get up and feed at three, at all hours in the morning, um, you know that you're the one doing that. You're the one keeping this little perfect person alive. And it's, you know that no one else is doing that. So I guess there's just no, there's no like, um, no, there was, I didn't feel like anyone was going to walk in the door and say, well, technically he's mine or, you know, technically we did that, not you or, you know, and also, these women came together because I pulled them together. Like I was the driver in that. I didn't have a lot of the physical roles, but I definitely was the driver of the, of the entire journey. Literally I took them to the ends of the world and back. That's, you know, that's, that's what we did. So, um, and during Megan's pregnancy, it was really interesting. Um, we, we would be out together and we would actually really enjoy telling people like people would say to Megan, Oh, when's your baby due? And she said, Oh, it's not mine. It's hers. 
we went to we went to a baby um, uh, like expo thing, you know, where they sell you all the latest products. <laughs> we bought prams. I spent hundreds of dollars. It was probably thousands actually. Um, and Megs was with us, and you know, everyone would try and sell to Megs, and she'd say, "Uh, uh-uh, this this one's not mine." But you know, she um, she said. Um, and she said, it, it, it's theirs, don't, don't look at me, I've, I've done my two, you know, this one's not coming home, I don't want to do the nappies, I don't want to do the bottles. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, actually, there was a really funny story. Um, Megs is in the corporate world, works in the city, and um, she, was in a, she was in a meeting with all suits, and she was heavily pregnant. Her husband at the time was in America. And uh, she mentioned to one of the guys at the table that her husband was in America and he said, well, why, why didn't you go? And, um, and she pointed to her belly and she said, well, you know, this. And he said, so? Like, it, it's his as well. And she said, oh, it's not my husband's. And he just looked at her like, what? And she said, oh, it's not mine either. And then he... He just looked at her for a bit and she, she said it was, just, it was just glorious, like just that moment of... He goes, oh, surrogacy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For my brother and sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we sort of, we all sort of owned our roles and really made them work for us, I suppose. So I guess that really went to helping me reconcile the fact that these women had to help me. Um, And look, now I only see strength in it. You know, I wouldn't be a mother without these without these women and I'm quite proud and anyone that wants to know anyone that will ask I'll, I will say tell them exactly how Harry came into the world talk about egg donation and surrogacy all the time and it's something that's just really important I think I think you, we need to eliminate the level of shame that surrounds it sometimes especially from an intended parents um, point um, yeah, because that just it. I think it's 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 shame that makes people feel like they're not. It's it's not their baby, or you know they're not. You know they couldn't do it, so they're not worthy of of a baby. You know, um, yeah. Oh, definitely, there were times that I. I thought I was just I was gypped, you know, had this faulty body that you know, that just wouldn't. You know, every other woman seems to have babies for free, not me, you know. So it's, yeah, yeah. But really owning my my role, I think, helped me. Mm. Do you have any advice for intended parents that are thinking about pursuing egg donation and surrogacy? Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, so much. Um First of all, egg donation. I, I don't, I just, I really despise when people shop for egg donors, when they look for yeah, traits or looks or, you know, just anything that they're looking for. I just, I, I think that it's really gross and awful. Um, and I just, uh, I want people to know that when that baby comes into the world, guess who they look like? They look like them. 
you 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 cannot choose what that baby's going to look like in the end or their personality they also have personalities that are that are inbuilt and and it you know uh, i'm a i'm a big one for the argument of nature uh, nurture over nature you know like it's 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 what you do with that little person and it's the effort that you put in that shapes that shapes them and it's not you know um um it's not the quality it's not what you think you're getting in an egg or or a sperm really like it yeah anyway that like that's what i'd say to um people looking at egg donation um i i really would just want to have a bond with with the woman who was willing to to go through all of those needles and a surgery um seemingly for for nothing just for the you know the knowledge that she's made someone uh, a parents um and with surrogacy exactly what i was talking about before is that you if you don't have any children you actually don't know how hard it is to have children and so <coughs> anything that you can do for your surrogate you just you just have to it's it's uh it it's it's a huge it's a huge deal um i oh, i once posted something about um it's a, like a circle of grief but i made it into like a circle of surrogacy um where your surrogate is in the middle of the circle and her partner and you or the, you as a couple are in the next circle and then outside and the your the surrogate's children and then the next circle is like the parents and the aunties and uncles that will be and all that and everything and it's all about you don't dump inwards you don't dump your stuff inwards so you don't ever dump on your surrogate because she's the center of your circle right there she's not um if you've got stuff to dump if you've got some something to vent you vent out of your circle so you vent to the people further away from her rather than <coughs> rather than into her does that make sense i think yeah um so yeah that's like that's that's a huge thing because yeah you will you will have stuff to work out have a great psychologist have someone that's amazing that you can tell all of the things to and then when it's just you and her you are just there to support that amazing human that is doing something something huge something that she probably doesn't think is so big because she's done it before she's probably done it quite easily before because she's doing it for you but in actual fact it's 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 a miracle and yeah it's i think it's i think it's about getting your own support network that doesn't include having to lean on her you you've got to let her lean on you she can dump wherever she wants <laughs> i have put up a, a link for details about the ring theory that miranda talks about and otherwise if you're looking to contact me you can find me at sarahjefford.com and on facebook and on instagram <laughs>